Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. I'm the host of the ODPH. Joining me for the panel this week, as always, he is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find the links at OchoDuroParlayHour.com, and remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Let us kick off this episode, though, talking about... I want to say the biggest surprise mm-hmm. on TV right now, and that is DC Universe's slash CW's Stargirl. I would say the other big... I thought you were going to mention the biggest surprise on television uh, being that reality competition show Rob Gronkowski is on with Serena Williams, where they have they have uh, Gronk and Serena, and then two comedians. One of uh, Serena's team has Gabriel Iglesias, and they have a rotating third member in. Uh, and this last week, they had Ronda Rousey, and Gabriel Iglesias willingly let Ronda Rousey put him in an armbar. See, I don't really watch a lot of reality TV, so I don't even know. About I was this. flipping channels, and I saw Ronda, and I was like, "Oh, hey, I wonder if she's gonna." Oh, she's giving the armbar to Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, that's not a good idea. No, definitely not. I might have to. I might have to check this out. But I'm yeah. I'll have to find a clip. It's pretty funny. I've been so hooked though on CW's Stargirl, but I, I watch it on the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. So well, that I, makes sense. Yeah, because that's where I'm used to seeing the hype for it, and definitely really like everything that has been out on the DC Universe. I know I get a little earlier than the CW, but nevertheless, plus there's no commercials. Exactly. The only thing I don't get is is the post uh, show trailers. Oh, that's a bummer. I haven't figured that out yet. But nevertheless, though, I, like I can't stress enough how impressed I am with this show mm-hmm. and how it really captures a Justice Society of America story. I know Jeff Johns has had his footprint on this, mm-hmm. but this is just mind blowing of how well this is done. And I honestly didn't think I was going to be this hyped up about it and right. really caught up with it. But it's so well done. I mean, a story of Courtney Whitmore, played by Breck Bassinger, who is the girl, comes to a small town, and there's a lot more going on with it, and she's finding her legacy and becoming a hero right before our eyes. And everything that's unfolding of the legacy of the Justice Society of America. It's so modernly retro as, mm-hmm. I, as I hype this up. And I cannot stress enough Luke Wilson's character of Pat Dugan, a.k.a. Stripesy, a.k.a. Stripe, is stealing the show right now. And how well he has done. I would. I gotta say, this has to be one of my favorite Luke Wilson roles. That's yeah. that seems to be because I don't catch the show. Uh, I've been busy, but when I do see the internet reaction, that does seem to be like the general consensus is like you have people talking about different things and different plot points. But it does seem to be the general consensus that Luke Wilson's awesome. Yeah, he is definitely stealing the show, and it's so well done that when you think about okay, not another teen hero. Sure, there's a lot of stuff they could go wrong with. This one is definitely keeping the modern retro feel to it, but the recent two episodes, they've really started delving into character development, Mm -hmm. and you're now getting the sense of, okay, why the heroes are the heroes, and the villains are the villains. Right. So that's what we're going to be recapping right now, episodes three and four of Stargirl, so if you haven't seen them, we're giving you the fair warning right now, we are going to be talking spoilers. You have been warned, so if you haven't seen it yet and you want to pause this episode right now, Jump back in when you've caught up, because we're going to start talking Stargirl in three, two, one. Where we left off, 
Stargirl and Stripe took out Brainwave and left him in a coma. And this is kind of when Stargirl has her first moment of, all right, everything is not so easy being a superhero. Right. It's definitely have consequences, as she's finding out right now. And her actions have brought one Jordan Mankit, a.k.a. Icicle, to town, who is definitely got some history. Neil Jackson plays him, and he is the head of the Injustice Society. So once he shows up to town and hears about there's a new person wielding the cosmic staff mm-hmm. and has taken out Brainwave, he has decided to take out this threat as he is making sure that there is no such resurgence of the Justice Society after he, he took them all out way back when. Where this episode jumps in, you get the background of Icicle. And you see that he makes a promise to his dying wife that he will definitely continue whatever mission he had planned out and avenge her death. And basically t- makes it his point to start tracking down Stargirl. So while he is now in Blue Valley, Stargirl is making it her mission to start tracking down Icicle and the rest of the Injustice Society. Mm-hmm. That she wants to avenge Starman and everybody else. And Stripesy is telling her, you don't realize what you're messing with. We need to be smart about this. But then again, you get that teenage angst vibe that she is so headstrong in her own abilities. Well, we took out one bad guy. We can take out everybody. It's not so easy. And this is where she does get another, I want to say, dose of reality, too. Because mm. during this episode of Icicle's Origin, you you find out that she makes uh, friends with Joey Zarek, who is the son of William Zarek, who is the wizard on the Injustice Society. Mm-hmm. So that being said, there's kind of like the little drama set up, and, and her, Joey is really playing up to being a friend to her. Because sure. It, still at this point... Um, Courtney is still considered being an outsider, that she is not part of the the in-crowd by any means, and she's just on the outside continuously looking in. But this is where Joey really tries making her feel welcome, and they're also setting up the storyline where she's standing up for Yolanda Montez, a.k.a. Wildcat, who will get introduced later in the show. And you see that there's this constant back and forth because they're still playing up the mean girl's angle, but they haven't really dived into why. Mm -hmm. But you see that she's still trying to stand up. So she's still, like I say, on the outside looking in from where the quote-unquote cool kids are. Yeah. But this is also where Icicle is making his moves throughout town because this is where he confronts uh, Zarek to figure out, okay, what happened with Brainwave? And are you still committed to his, his big plan? That he has for, I'm, they haven't really dived into it yet, of what the big end game is going to be here. Mm-hmm. But he's still basically making sure that he has the loyalty of the Injustice Society, and Zarek at this point is really teetering on, okay, well, you know, we knew what happened, but you know, I've kind of moved on, and it seems like he, he's trying to leave that past behind him. Mm-hmm. And during this time, though, you see that Icicle is going out of his way to set up a trap to lure Stargirl out of there. Like he has this one really cool scene where he has like a frozen star in the middle of a field. Okay. That she she or he knows that Stargirl is starting to track him a little bit. Right. So he basically lays out a trap and then they do have a big fight scene involved too. Mm-hmm. Where you get to see a little more of Stripe's armor in play here, which I really like the CGI. Like I, I can't stress enough too. The DC Universe budget for this show, yeah, truly remarkable because they have made, basically made the Iron Giant into Iron Man on this show. I'll say it's like we've said before. One of the kind of 
minor drawbacks with the CW Arrowverse shows is at times, you know, the CGI isn't all that great. You know, there are times it's good and there are times it's yeah, a little bit to be desired. But you can clearly tell this is a DC Universe show because they spared no expense on the CGI. Right. And they do do a lot of cool fight scenes on this too as well. But the one thing too is Icicle does set up the trap. And he does try taking out a school bus that has kids on it. Mm -hmm. But to the credit of Stripes, he does save it from plunging in the water. And at this point, he get, they get the truck back on the bridge, which is like the big takeaway. Okay, so everybody saves the day. Everybody's great. And at this point, they're trying to evacuate the bus. But Icicle freezes the bridge. Right. And you see a truck come straight down and hits Joey. Like you see, he was, he was being a magician. You see that hat go flying in the air with yeah, the car. Yeah, yeah, And obviously at this point, it really sinks in that there's consequences to try being a superhero. Which, now it's really sounding like Mean Girls. Yeah, well, it really steps up to, like the dramatic tone on it. Yeah. Which I applaud as part of the story. Right. Because you really didn't see this one coming. Yeah. Because like I said, for the most of the episode, they do deal with like the teen drama. And, and, oh, yeah. And yeah. the wizard's son there, Joey, is trying to set up to be winning the talent show, which, like I say... It has the you know the old school yeah. modern retro vibe so to it. Or early Smallville, you know, where there's not any real huge huge major threat. It's like the biggest threat is Clark getting a date with Lana. Right. So they do play that you know old school uh, drama up. That okay, well mm -hmm. it's, it's it's the school talent show. Who's sure, going to win? Sure. So they really are trying to set that up and also try to establish in the different characters going on because they do establish a little more of Yolanda's storyline going on. We do get introduced to another student, Cameron, who is also. On the outside looking in with Courtney, mm. and you, you start seeing, okay, well, they're just going to, you know, get familiar with some of the characters. So when you see what happens with Joey getting killed, it really is an emotional gut punch. And how, the, how they set it up, too, flawlessly. Like, it just really hooks you like, okay, this is not going to be your average teen show where everybody has the happy ending. And there's consequences. And it really establishes Icicle as being the cold-hearted villain, pun intended, mm -hmm. that the show is going to be centering around because he is the leader of the Injustice Society. This is the perfect way to introduce him by making a big statement, albeit though it was an accident of what he was originally trying to entail. Right. But he does wind up killing the wizard's son. Mm -hmm. So once this happens, the, uh, the wizard goes and confronts Icicle, and Icicle freezes his wand and kills him. And basically writes it off as he had a heart attack due to his son's death. Mm, okay. They frame it up like it's really creative of how they took care of this and set it up. Where at this point, too, Pat is trying to explain to Courtney why these ha actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. Which, I, like I said, for this episode, too, it, it's pretty straightforward. So that's why I'm not spending a ton of time deep diving on Sure, this. sure. But you get the sense of, okay, this is episode three. We're already establishing the stakes are this high, and you're really getting the sense of what Icicle is bringing to the table. Because if he's willing to, you know, take out a whole bus full of kids, right? You know that his he is evil personified, and he is really trying to establish himself as a major threat. And for Star Girl and Stripe to stop him, it was a big deal. But then he ultimately would not take the loss and went overboard, and thus took out the wizard and his son. So where they leave this episode off is Pat winds up taking Courtney to the old JSA headquarters. Mm -hmm. And this is a very cool nod to anybody that's read the JSA 
because you do see the pictures of Jay Garrick and the helmet. Ted Grant's mask. You see Alan Scott's Green Lantern battery. Mm. Dr. Midnight's owl is still there, which is like they do so many cool throwbacks to the JSA. Yeah, it's a little East Direct for fans. Right. And this is where Pat is trying to tell Courtney that, okay, Icicle is in town. There are serious consequences to being a superhero. You're not ready. You're just a kid. You can't continue to do this. You're going to you could be next. And like I say, I love the drama and the back and forth that they have here. Mm-hmm. But as Courtney is still remaining headstrong and says, no, now that Joey has been killed, I need to go take care of Icicle, whether you're going to help me or not. And how this episode ends is she winds up taking the articles from the JSA and she basically is determined to restart the JSA herself. Mm. So overall, like I said, this is one of the stronger episodes yeah. that I've seen from the DC Universe shows that they deal right with the drama. They established enough that for this is the first time we've seen Joey involved and the and you start getting the Wizards family involved and to see once he gets killed, like that is an emotional gut punch, like nobody's business. And then we also find out that Cameron, who's also hanging around, is Icicle's son. Right. Which Icicle just goes back to business at the end of the show, and he gives him a hug. And it, it's really telling of where Icicle is on the show and how serious of a threat he is. So right, right then and there, we have established the villain. We have established the reasons. Perfect writing, I have to say. And, right. And the acting, it, like I said, it's an emotional gut punch and really established everybody right off the gate. So that was episode three. For episode four, we get the origin of Wildcat. Play that is Yvette Monreal, who plays Yolanda. We get the whole story that years or months ago that she was running for student council against her rival Cindy. Cindy's the one who's the mean girl on the show. Okay. And we find out that some risky photos were leaked out by Cindy to the entire class when she was giving the speech for the debates. So at this point, she has been disgraced. And this is why she's been the outcast. And this is why Cindy has been constantly bullying because these photos. She sent to her boyfriend, which is Henry Jr., Brainwave's son at the time. Mm -hmm. And Yolanda has just always been this outsider that has been, you know, Stargirl has been trying to befriend. And we really haven't figured out the story why. We finally do because Stargirl has been standing up for her. And and to finally win her over, Stargirl goes and says, I'm the one who blew up Henry's car. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I know what happened. and It's not right. And she basically reveals her secret identity to Yolanda, mm. which is a gutsy move at the time, I will admit. But at this point, too, Courtney has been watching her box, and she decides that she would make a perfect wildcat. So at this point, she winds up giving her the costume of wildcat. And it's really cool to see how Yolanda adapts to the role because it's something with the helmet as she puts on because when she first puts on the costume, it's super bulky and baggy. Mm-hmm. And then once the helmet comes on, it like fits right to her. And then they're doing this kind of little fun back and forth where they're Wikipediaing what Wildcat can do. Because remember, Courtney stole all the items from the JSA headquarters. Right. And yet she has no idea what they do. So they have to go on a Wikipedia to figure out what Wildcat does. Which sure enough, Wikipedia was right on the money. As you see that she's testing out her claws, which can cut through metal. She winds up cutting through the house toaster nice. oven. And you see that she's trying to climb on walls, and she can do that, and, and really breaking down the agility. So this is a origin story of the character Wildcat for 
this universe, which I thought made perfect sense. It was very well done. And we also start deep diving into a little bit more of what is going on with Icicle and his master plan because Stargirl and Wildcat are doing their investigation and trying to figure out, okay, where can we find more of the Injustice Society or Injustice League members? And they decide to break into the hospital room of Brainwave. Once they are in there, though, they wind up stealing the visitor list Mm -hmm. and start noticing that the school principal has been coming in to play the violin, which I don't exactly know what the circumstances with that. Right. But she's been coming in and not checking in. So that's going to be a storyline coming down the road. Mm. But it's really kind of back and forth, and it was an interesting way to see how they're working as a team together to start piecing this together. And you also see that Yolanda has to go step up, and she's now having the first time in months a redeeming moment because she's felt so guilt-ridden for you know the embarrassment that she brought on herself. Her family is very strict Catholic, and at this point, they are not. They have just basically shunned her. They've grounded her. They've taken her phone away. She's just you know never been able to recover from this right and at this moment she's trying to stand up and and has this one very big emotional scene where she addresses them and says i am taking my life back and i am going to get rid of my guilt and i've i when is enough enough that i am not going to feel this guilt anymore and at this point too the family still shuns her except for the little brother mm. But at this point, she was going to walk away from being a wildcat. And she was like, she did thank Stargirl. Hey, thank you for making me part of the team, but I'm just not ready now. But by the end of the episode, she comes back and is ready to join the fight. The only other side plot that was happening on here, which I thought was interesting, is you see Denise, who was the wizard's wife and Joey's mother, Mm -hmm. is frantically approaching Pat at the garage that he works at and is trying to get help with the car and you can see that she's running from something they've never really explained what happened and obviously she, i think she knows that icicle definitely had some part to play with it mm-hmm. in uh, the wizard's death but she can't really prove it and then when she comes back for the second time she's taken off and she's telling pat there's something wrong with this town get out and she's not coming out the same but she's explaining my husband just had a doctor's checkup He's been perfectly fine. How could he drop dead of a heart attack? And this is where Pat starts investigating. He's getting parts for Stripe all throughout. He's going to a junkyard. But the second time he goes, he finds Denise's car trashed. And the remnants of what she had in the car are still in there. Mm. So she's presumed to be dead. And this is now where the episode leaves for the cliffhanger. Because next week they're going to start introducing Dr. Midnight, who they did have a little cameo during this episode that we understand who's that's, that's going to be playing. That's going to be Angelica Washington. Mm-hmm. That she does see Yolanda and Courtney outside the hospital, and she does hear Yolanda's name get called. Yeah. So it has been confirmed, if you watch enough of the press releases, that she is going to be doc- the new Dr. Midnight. So next week is going to be her origin episode. But overall, though, Pat, mm-hmm. I got to say, though, I am very impressed with the setup of the show. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you haven't watched this yet. No. But when you're looking into a new TV show, mm-hmm. are you looking into one that they just jump right in, or do you want one that they just take the time to develop each character that you have that connection with? I kind of want, for me, you know, I, I understand setting up everything in that initial pilot episode, 
you know, gets everything set up. And then maybe you have the next episode. They're like, all right, we got the action set up. Why don't we explain a few of the characters? But I feel like if you take too long and you do quote unquote filler episodes, where like, all right, you're establishing character and this and that. I feel like if you go too long in the teeth, you're going to lose some people. And, and for me, I don't want you to go too long in the character explanation. Sprinkle it out throughout the season. You know, if you go on to future seasons, sprinkle sprinkle it out through there. That That's one of the best things with Avatar The Last Airbender, which I've been rewatching on uh, since it got re-added to Netflix last month. You know, they don't give you all of the backstory on every character in the first season. It's sprinkled here and there, and you learn things about the characters as you go on. So that way you're not wasting entire episodes. I don't even want to say wasting. You're not devoting an entire episode to the character's backstory, and you can still move the plot forward. Yeah, for this, though, I, I do like how they have it set up that each episode, Icicle and Wildcat, which was the names of each one, delved into each character, and you understood their motivations, and you understood who they were. I mean, Icicle obviously has been established as a big threat, not from just the first episode where he kills Starman, mm-hmm. but if he's willing to take out his own team members right. for his ultimate goal, whatever that's going to be, because like I said, it's some plan that he has, and he hasn't really announced too much details, but he's just now starting to entrench himself back into the town. Because I know he has a run in with Barbara at the bank and is establishing, you know, trying to get very tight with her as well. Because mm. I think he knows something's going on there. Because the more he's digging into Courtney being the new girl in town, that he knows, okay, well, here's the connection with Stargirl. And you see it just how cold and calculating he is. No pun intended with that one. But if he's willing to take out his own team members, what's mm. he going to do to his enemies? And for Wildcat's story, we finally get the reason she's been bullied and just how her redeeming story has been working with Stargirl, and Stargirl is helping her find her her strength again. And just from having just that ultimately embarrassing moment where she's been disgraced and, and you know just the mental beatdown that she's taken every day from everybody in school to now that she finally feels strong again and being the persona of Wildcat has now given this to her. Even though she was ready to walk away and become her own person, mm-hmm. she realized that I might not get my parents' approval, but somebody else does approve me, and I am a hero in that aspect. So I love the vibe that they're giving on this. And we're getting just enough Easter eggs of every member of the JSA in there. Like I said, we saw Jay Garrick's helmet. We saw Alan Scott's power uh, battery. I don't think we're going to see either of them or their replacements this year. No. I, I would say not. I know we're going to get... Too soon, for at least for Jay Garrick, having been on Arrowverse. Well, I think at this point it would be a successor. No, I, well, uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but, but, I, but I mean just in terms of the character itself. Right. That I don't think they're going to go near that, and I don't think Alan Scott's going to be featured just yet, or we're going to have a Green Lantern part of the team. No, not with the HBO uh, Max show coming. Right. But this is where it's going to be so interesting to see how this team is developed. And even though it's a younger version Mm. and a teen version, I'm honestly not mad about it. Like, I thought I'd be like, okay, well, this is going to be kind of, you know, very hokey and very, you know, thrown together. But the way they're establishing each character. I really like, and I really like that they're giving them a backstory and they're really developing them. And now that we're, when we finally get the team united to go up against the threat, whatever that's going to be, because I don't think they're going to be taking a mid-season break. Right. DC Universe shows don't really. I know it's slated for 13 episodes. I think now we're going to be getting closer to the midway point, and this is when the story is really going to take off. I'm super excited about it. And like I said, I love everything that we've seen on the show thus far. That I think they've really taken the time. Like I said, Yvette Monreal has done an amazing job with this episode for Wildcat. She's really established herself. Neil Jackson has done a great job as Icicle, and you get that vibe of what he's bringing to the table. Angelica Washington's up next as Dr. Midnight, so I'm waiting to see what she does there. Overall, like I say, I can't stress enough how much of a sleeper show this has been, and I'm very happy to see it, and I can't wait to see what happens next. 
But definitely let me know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on Stargirl thus far? Are you into it? Are you not? And why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, host of the Kobe Told Me podcast. It's my whenever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. This is my 30 minutes or less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown. I'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game, and when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. Peace. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and those agents are back. Mm Mm-hmm. So we are going to be talking Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes 1 and 2. And we are going to be talking spoilers. We'd like to give you that fair warning because if you haven't seen them and you want to see them, we are telling you, pause the episode, jump in when you're caught up because we ought to have that conversation on social media. But in 3, 2, 1, Pad, what did you think? Love the episodes. Uh, love the connections they're making to everything Marvel mm-hmm. and all the, you know, the, the dots they're connecting. But overall, two great episodes. They started out the gate very interesting. I got to say this. I've been talking with Dre on Twitter. Shout out to at DreDriven83. We've been live tweeting during the episodes. And the show has come back, and we knew that they were coming back 1931 New York. Yep. And they're obviously trying to stop the Chronicoms, who have been running through the timeline. They're trying to reset everything. They're mm-hmm. really going out of their way to They're like breaking issues. every time-traveling rule in existence. Right. But we all know that this is going to be S.H.I.E.L.D.'s last season. Yep. So they're just basically thrown out the rule book, and they're just going to go completely crazy. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely setting it up. I mean, just from the moment that the Chronicoms get down to New York and they wind up having that altercation with the police officers and steal their faces. Yep. And that's when the episode kicks right off. And then we get Jenna Simmons is trying to talk to everybody about what is going on. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a lot, it's a lot to take in. Well, yeah, especially for Colson, who is now realizing he's in an LMD. So, oh now, Lord have mercy! Yeah. So, so the emotions that Clark Gregg's portraying with being a human in a robot body, and also reliving like two years of memories in the span of like five minutes. Yeah, it's it's really telling of just how much has happened since he quote unquote died. Yeah, I mean, how weird is that? But that's the one thing about Shield. If you've ever read the comics. LMDs are very, very normal. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing, but it's it's a comics thing. Yeah, that's the easiest way to describe it. So, for if you've read Shield throughout the years, this is secondhand. Mm-hmm. If you're just watching this for the first time, it's going to throw you for a loop, and you're getting the honest reaction from Daisy and Mac, who are trying to sit there and realize. Okay, did we do the right thing bringing him back, or did we not? Oh, I think Daisy doesn't even care. She's just like, yeah, we need to do this and go. Oh, yeah. Well, Daisy has been very emotional mm-hmm. during these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, she has, I don't want to say been acting different, and I don't know if it's the time jump has really thrown her, her her reasoning off. I think it might just be a sense of urgency. that like she's She's definitely throwing caution to the wind. 
and just gung ho. We got to go, you know, at, you know, shoot first, ask questions later type of mentality. Yeah. Chloe Bennett's been portraying a, a different Daisy, AKA quake than we've been seeing past couple seasons. Like she's really been making decisions on the fly without really thinking them through. Mm-hmm. And the one was to activate Colson. So when Colson comes back, he's so disoriented she winds up getting an argument with Mac about it, and did we do the right thing? Right. At this point, though, they're still trying to, to investigate what's going on and figure out, okay, the Chronicoms are here. How do we stop them? What's the overall game plan? Well, and what are they doing here? Yeah, because it's just a real weird time that they decided to jump back into 1931. Because at this point in the MCU, if you saw that ridiculous post uh, on the Internet over the weekend where somebody detailed every scene and what order it takes place in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in terms of the not- prequel Thor stuff. This is the earliest in the MCU we are. Yes. So this is a really time-telling story that they're trying to portray, and they're going to be doing a lot of time jumps this entire season. That's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. So during this time, though, they're walking around, and and they're having their first altercations with the Chronicom, and they are lucky to escape the first time. Mm -hmm. But once they regroup, though, they do wind up tracking down an old friend, dare I say? Kind of. Kind of, but kind of, sort of. not. And this is where it's it's a fun Easter egg if you've been watching the MCU from the beginning because they still are tied to the MCU, whether Marvel likes to recognize them or not for mm-hmm. being a, a part of it because I know it's been almost retconned now since Kevin Feige has taken over. But this is where we run into a good friend of ours, Ernest Koenig, mm-hmm. who is also Patton Oswald. Yep reprising the role uh not the uh triplet brothers nope that he is portrayed over the, the ancestor years. yes i don't even know if i want to say ancestor yeah. grandfather yeah. yeah the grandfather at this point of the koenig brand mm-hmm. <laughs> do i call them a brand it's just the family line of shield agents yep and this is where they've realized that koenig is being I don't want to say shield before shield, but he's also providing security. So he's operating along the same, you know, thought process that shield eventually will. Yes, because what they realized that he is up to is he's trying to provide protection mm-hmm. for at the time governor Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Ah, name rings a bell. Yes, definitely does. So at this point S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting ready to protect him at all costs because they're thinking the Chronicom is coming after him. Which, in the in the timeline of the MCU, if they're trying to take out FDR, makes a lot of sense. FDR, you know, very pivotal in, in you know, what happens with the United States and the, and the world at large for World War II. So if you take out the head of the proverbial, you know, uh, entity, uh, things fall apart and thereby, oh, we're going to let Hydra win World War II. Right. So they're going another way to protect him. But once Daisy, or dare I say it's Simmons at this point, because they did capture a Chronicom mm-hmm. on the Zephyr. Yep. And Simmons winds up forcing that Chronicom to reveal the plan. And the plan wasn't FDR. Nope. It was an employee that works for Koenig. And that one is a gentleman known as Freddie. Mm-hmm. But we don't find out Freddie's last name until the end of the episode. Nope. And who is that? Uh, Freddy, and his last name is Malik. Yes, as in Gideon Malik, uh-huh. as in Freddy is Gideon's father. Gideon is the, at the time, which we know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., present time, I would say, uh-huh. is the head of HYDRA. Yep. 
So, well, or what Hydra will become. Right. So it's very, and it's fledgling stages. It's very fledgling, and it's very interesting to see how this is all getting worked out because we really are still trying to piece this together. And I love how Shield is doing the slow burn for this. Yeah. That we have an idea what's going on, but yep. once they start revealing that Freddy is trying to smuggle a green liquid, which oh, if you know wait. anything about Marvel Comics, you know what that liquid is for. Right. That. The story is kind of going all over the place, and I like that about this episode, that yeah. it wasn't so straightforward yeah. because, obviously, there's going to be a longer game to be played here. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to excel at because even though they're going to be doing time jumps and that will throw people off, mm-hmm. the fact that they give us just a little bit of information in the premiere, they've done a very good job with. And we don't really get a lot of the details of where everybody is. The only one that we know is, okay... The team is trying to protect Malik, and we are introduced to another member of the team that made the time jump, and that is one Melinda May, mm-hmm. who is still on the Zephyr with Enoch. Yep. And who's got great bedside manners, let me just say. Oh, uh, Enoch is extremely hysterical, as always. Like just how he plays off fits mm-hmm. has always been a great back and forth. Joe Joel Stofer, who plays Enoch, is always just got that deadpan, yeah, you know, monotone tone. To him. Let's say it reminds me of uh, Ben Stein from the Dry Eyes commercials. Yes, and it's perfect. But when he gets with Ian DeCastecker, as uh, fits, that's magic right there. Mm-hmm. So now he's balancing off with Ming-Na Wen as Melinda May, and just it, they're still, the chemistry's right there as well, too. So they finished that episode very strong. So, I mean, overall thoughts on the first episode. Thought it was great. Uh, didn't initially know what the connection was because I'm not well-versed on every Marvel storyline ever. But once it got explained and I saw it on, I'm like, ooh, I saw what it was online. I'm like, ooh, okay, I'm down for this. Well, just the fact that they were teasing uh, the green liquid and I'm figuring around that time, okay, it's got to be Captain America Super Soldier Serum yep. or a version of it or they're going to explain that a little bit. I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting if they're going to say, okay, the Chronicoms are trying to stop Captain America. Mm-hmm. But I also like the throwback scene. Patton Oswalt come back, and I mean, it's just like he he didn't take a he didn't miss a beat. No, at all. No, and like I say, he's he's played multiple versions of the Koenig character. Mm-hmm. That you know, like I say, I, I probably losing track of how many versions he's played. I, I know that they have the twin brothers. I think they had a third. Yeah, one, Yeah, I think it was. But that was probably my favorite part of these first two episodes. Was just. You know that it, that you and you see it in the older sci-fi movies in like the fifties and sixties, where it's like, oh my god, look at this! Just like they blindfold him, they bring him onto the Zephyr, and he's there, and he's like, oh my god, this is a rocket ship! You guys are aliens! Yeah, it, it's just a cool throwback to like you touched upon that those old style of storytelling, mm-hmm. and just seeing just yeah the the future shock, pun intended. Yeah, of yeah when when Oswald's character gets on the ship and he's just blown away by like what's going on? Okay, the war of the worlds is really real. Yeah, like, I mean yeah to to put it mildly. So for the first episode, I thought they did come off very good. Yeah, I, I thought it's established enough. Was it a full home run? Not just yet because they haven't really established what they're doing. Just essentially, they're just trying to track the yeah, Chronicoms. Yeah. Episode two, though, I thought they really made some strides, and I thought it was a, a stronger episode, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. once they jump in, you see that the team is trying to keep Malik safe, mm-hmm. and you see that Mac and Deke are now stuck protecting him, and they're traveling with him. I'm surprised they didn't have a longer discussion about like 
uh, the mission is all we got to do this to protect Hydra. I'm really surprised they didn't have a longer discussion. Like, I know they had a discussion, but I felt like it would have, given what they could have done and what they could have changed, I feel like that would have been a longer discussion. I do too. And, but I, I, I think. Because you got to figure, as much of a thorn in the side as Hydra was for a lot of that team and what they'll eventually do and what they're eventually responsible for, I feel like they would have really given it a lot of thought as to whether we really want to try and save Hydra. Yeah. Well, I think that they realize that if you go back in time, no matter what, if you disrupt the timeline, everything is thrown out of way. Yeah, that's true. And I think from their time of being in the mainframe. Hello, Flashpoint. Yeah, exactly. That I, I think that they understand that if we mess up anything to, mm-hmm. a, to a major degree, yeah, it, the ramifications in the future could be tremendous. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you even think about it, I mean, they could wipe their future selves out. That's and, true. And even when they try coming back, they could have no memory of anything like it's true it's it's just time travel is always a tricky thing to pull off Mm -hmm. and this is why we're very critical about when the flash does it yeah because they hit a reset button every time and just one or two things are different yeah but for shield it's going to be major repercussions i mean this is another point not to get off completely uh the subject but with endgame yeah they have now opened multiple mm-hmm. multiple timelines they can mm-hmm. go mess around with with Loki, Captain America in the past. Yeah. The list goes on and on. So yeah. the MCU as we know it could be completely up in the air when they get movies going again. Yeah, although I got to do I do got to say I I don't know who did it, but I do enjoy that comedy video I've seen on Facebook where Cap it's it's Cap living through the years with uh Peggy mm-hmm. and it's all the major events in history from the time it gets back so like the Vietnam War JFK and everything and I just love that video where it's like oh hey Vietnam War oh, we're going to war with Vietnam oh, we should be in and out of there real quick yeah like I love that video yeah the video is just you know a satirical play on mm-hmm. Cap just sitting there watching the world events happen yeah in reaction yeah I mean but that's another point though it's like how do you go back in time and yeah. not, and not alter something? Yeah, and that's the problem that Shield's going to do because they don't have the Men in Black mind eraser. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the one thing that I'm I'm sitting here the entire time thinking with Malik is he's going to remember mm-hmm. everybody helping him. Yeah, like and, like as much as you want to like keep things the same and don't change things, you're it's going to happen. Like. Just, like you said, just by them being there and them protecting him and him going, oh, my God, what is going on? Who are these people? It's already different. Yeah. So that's where the team kind of decides to go off on their own directions. I mean, you have Deacon Mac helping protect Freddy. Everybody else is setting up a secondary base at Koenig's speak, or bar there, mm-hmm. or speakeasy. Like, I forget what they officially called it. But he's setting up shop. They're, they're setting up shop there while... May and Enoch are still on the Zephyr. So there's like three different storylines going on this episode. Mm-hmm. But they spent enough time establishing everything that it wasn't completely thrown off. And we started dipping into the episode that Viola is the contact that was trying to help Freddie escape with the miracle serum that he's carrying around. Yep. And after they do some interrogations, after they save her because she was shot by the Chronicoms, yep. they find out that he has a version of the super soldier serum. Now is the Hydra one, so it's right. not it's not the official one that Steve Rogers gets way back, you know, down the line. Right. So this is where they know, okay, this could alter everything. Mm-hmm. We have to keep them alive at all points. Same storyline going on too. You have Coulson meeting up with May for the first time. Yep. And both of those characters are in different places of their life right now. Yeah. Coulson is missing a lot of memories. May is really back from the dead. I'll say Coulson's like, all right, I don't fully understand what's going on here, but I'm just going to roll with it. 
May's like, I don't accept any of this, and I'm going to kick all of your asses. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the cool back and forth. I mean, even there was the great fight scene between Enoch and, and May. Well, Enoch, stop pulling punches, dude. It's it's Agent May. Yeah. And I know he's, he's trying to explain himself. He's trying to explain himself while also not hurt her. And it's like, dude, you don't try and stop her. You're going to get killed here. Yeah, it's the cavalry for a reason. So, they're having their back and forth, too. And the team is a little shook up at this point. But... You're still having Daisy trying to call shots yeah. behind Mac's back. And yeah. I think that's going to be an underlying point of this entire season. I, I get that feeling, yeah. Yeah, which I, I don't know how I feel about that. That And it doesn't even feel like she's got an ulterior motive or like a, another reason why she would be doing it. Because if that was the case, it'd be like, all right, I can see that. But it just feels like I know better than you. I've been here longer than you. I'm going to try and you know undermine your leadership yeah and henry simmons has been playing mac for so long now and he has now taken over the role as the head of shield so to see where uh sky is trying to undermine him like i say they haven't really explained why mm-hmm. and i to be honest with you i don't know why like yeah it's, it's coming off very odd yeah that all of a sudden she's just having all these ulterior motives going on it's not to say that, like I said, she hasn't been rewired in the time travel. Correct. Or maybe it'll be the big reveal that she's a Chronicom by the time it's all said and done. That'd be wild. It'd be absolutely wild. But as they're going through and trying to track down, okay, where the Chronicoms are to stop them, mm-hmm. Daisy decides to go rogue at this point and is trying to convince Deke to kill Freddy. Right. Because, okay, we'll stop Hydra from ever forming. Everything will be great. <laughs> And Mac is the only one that is going, no. Yeah. You do not realize if you kill him, you wipe away history and a lot of it. Because Mostly because if there's no uh, Hydra and there's no Red Skull, all of a sudden there's no need for Cap. Mm-hmm. And, the, and you just go down the, down the line. Exactly. Even though Daisy is like, no, this is the right thing to do. Luckily, cooler heads prevail. And right. I will say, Koenig tries to intervene and actually prevents the shooting from happening mm-hmm. or you know stops for, uh, Freddy from doing what he was going to do and he does get shot in the in the process doing it not a fatal one but he does right, get shot right, in the right. shoulder because at this point Freddy does escape and he gets yep. away from everybody which is what Smart. needs to happen but like i say now the knowledge is okay i just had people trying to kill me for what i have and they obviously know there's some history there, so you've already altered the timeline. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, Shield. You already screwed up in the second episode. Yep. But still, how they played it off was very well. I mean, oh, yeah. like I said, the action scenes were great, and the Chronicoms basically say, okay, we failed at this time. We now have another time to go. Mm-hmm. And the Zephyr is taking off to do the time jump, Yep. and they wind up leaving Enoch in the past. Yeah. Now, see, I didn't understand this point, because now you have... A gentleman from way in the future yeah. is now set in the 1930s. Yeah. How is that going to alter your timeline? Hey, well, I mean, he's a smart individual. He's a smart gentleman, despite his lack of bed manners. Um, I would imagine as knowledgeable as he is and as smart as he is, he is able to kind of lay low and do as little damage to the timeline as possible. That like, okay, you're there. You're talking to people, but you're really not. You're you're not giving any more info. Like, you know, when the Yankees go to play in the World Series and pick your year, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't say, oh yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see them win, and you know, whatever. No, like, does he? He's smart enough that I would imagine and hope that he goes to the best lengths possible 
to create as little a ripple effect as possible in the proverbial timeline river. Well, you would think so, but you also have Ken Egg asking about the shield robots. Yeah. And now he's getting the blueprints for LMDs. Right. So there's a little plot hole that I, I, I'm thinking they're going to cover up. Cause shield probably is, shield is usually pretty good about covering that stuff up. So I, I will, mm-hmm. I will give him that, but I just thought that was such a very interesting ending. Like mm-hmm. I said, I really liked the episode. I thought it was very, very strong. Yeah. Um, stronger than the first episode coming back, except now we're jumping further into the future. Now, we haven't exactly said where we're winding up, but mm-hmm. I want to say we're going to be around the Agent Carter timeline. Yeah. Because we, we do know there's going to be characters from that series on this run of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. Yep. But overall, though, Pat, I guess i got to say, first two episodes in, what's the direction, what's the feel, what's the vibe? I like the direction they're taking. I love the connections they're making. I hope they make more, even to some other uh, Marvel films. You know, I appreciated the connections to Captain America 1. I hope they go forward with that. Maybe even tie some, you know, plot lines over figure out what people have been doing in the meantime in between time i uh, can't wait to see where they go yeah i definitely was super excited about seeing where they're going with this i uh, i do like the throwbacks to the mcu because let's face it no matter what marvel wants to say this is part of the mcu mm-hmm. and they have established that history well throughout seven years now so to have those little easter egg tie-ins like the super soldier serum i think is a cool nod where they're going in the future, depending on how far they're going in the future, is anybody's guess. But I still like to see them hit different moments in time. Like we could yeah. start seeing, you know, the origin of Howard Stark, right? And and seeing how Stark right. Industries yeah. played in, yeah. And you know, deep dive a little bit in that without going fully overboard, because now with the Chronicoms jumping around through time, trying to alter everything, this is where it's going to be half Doctor Who, half. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be an interesting take, I, I, I feel. Like, I fully trust the writers and what they've done. I know last season, like we talked about previously, not the strongest of seasons. But, yeah. but I think now that they know it's the end, mm-hmm. they really want to finish on a strong note. So I am super excited to see where they're going to wind up. Yeah. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., what are you thinking? And we will be live tweeting during the episode tonight. So definitely, if you want to get a part of that, at Hour. And also at DreDriven83. I'll give a shout-out to Dre because Dre has been live-tweeting as well, too. And he's amazing to talk to, so i definitely give him a follow as well. Like I said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Hey, I'm Lucas, the host of Wonder Soul, a weekly podcast series featuring a variety of topics dealing with life's many passions and experiences. Join me and friends each week as I discuss topics ranging from pop culture to real-life conversations that all can find relatable. New episodes bring new guests and new topics and release every Friday. More content can be found on Wondersoul's YouTube and Twitch channels. Stay up to date and connect with Wondersoul through social media by following us on Twitter and Instagram. And we hope that you enjoy Wondersoul wherever you listen to podcasts. So do good and take care. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. So, Pad, let's kick off those one-shots. Yeah, I got a joint one here to do because it's definitely hit the radar of a lot of people, and it's very surprising to a lot of people, myself included. Uh, as we, uh, as anyone who has HBO Max knows, or if you don't know, there is a section on the service, you know, whatever you're on, your PlayStation, your television, your mobile device, where it's last chance. You know, it's very much in the same way of HBO Go or HBO Now, where it's stuff that's about to leave the service. You know, hey, 
just so you know, and you see it on Netflix as well, where something's about ready to leave Netflix, it says leaving and then the date. Mm-hmm. Well, people notice that there's some stuff there that just got added. But then what also pe- also people noted is there's a lot of DC uh, movies leaving and not animated ones. Uh, the list as it follows, these are all leaving HBO Max on July 1st. Justice League, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Batman 1985 or 1989, excuse me. Uh, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Catwoman the Halle Berry film, uh, Jonah Hex the 2004 2005 film, mm. Steel and The Losers are all leaving uh, HBO Max as of July 1st. Now the animated films will still be there, you know, and even bizarrely the Ryan Reynolds uh, Green Lantern film will still be there. You'll still have. Uh, Joker will still be there, but basically it's like 13 or 14 live action DC anime, DC films are leaving HBO max, which they're still advertising. Like if you, if you catch an HBO max ad on television these days, you do see a quick glimpse of Batman, Superman and wonder woman from, Dawn, uh, Dawn of justice in that advertisement, you know, on television right now that I'm sure is being paid to multiple, multiple, uh, television uh, channels for a decent amount of time to show that ad, but hey, those movies are all leaving on July first. Very puzzling. Very confusing. Very very puzzling. Like, why would you open up a new service and advertise if you knew you were going to have them for that long? Yeah, and 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 people were really confused why it was going on because if you remember back to when uh, Disney Plus launched, there was a couple of films that left that relatively soon, but it wasn't through any reason at Disney Plus's. It's just they had an existing contract out with somebody else that those films had to go to there. But as soon as that contract ran out, the films would return to Disney+. Plus. Uh, that do, that does not appear to be the case because I thought, and I know we were talking last night, oh, maybe it's going to end up, you know, some of them, you know, like the Suicide Squad or Batman v Superman or even Justice League, if they ended up on Hulu, I'd be like, all right, I can see that. You know, they've never been on, I was tr- running through the, the streaming services on, on off the top of my head. They've never been, you know, some of those films have, most of those films have never been on Netflix. They won't be on Netflix. I know uh, some of them have been on Hulu at various times, you know, maybe an Amazon Prime, who knows, but I couldn't figure it out. But no, an HBO Max rep uh, said today regarding the films, DC films leaving in July, quote, we have a collection of DC films that will rotate on the platform. We have a new batch coming in July and then another batch coming in August. And I've just confirmed that that batch is on right now will be returning, close quote. So... Apparently, they're going to cycle stuff in and out, which, I mean, if you're advertising this stuff as being a selling point of, hey, this is where you can catch all your DC films uh, until July 1st and it's going to leave, doesn't make a lot of sense, especially for the newer stuff. The Batman movies, I'm like, okay, not exactly, you know, losing sleep over that. That makes sense. You know, I think in terms of the Batman movies leaving, you might see Christopher Reeve. Mm. films get cycled onto there. So some of the older, if the older stuff, I'm not really losing sleep over. I'm like, okay, I get that. But what's confusing to me is, oh, we're going to willingly cycle out the new stuff. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm really sitting there trying to struggle. Why would you even advertise it out the gate if you weren't yeah. going to be able to have it? And that's yeah. it's such a bad look because you don't have enough DC Comics content to replace it. No, you really don't. And we don't know where it's going to go. If it's going to go back to the DC universe, I know that or we're talking about people purgatory. Online. Yeah, like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And especially with the DC universe, if you're going to send it back there, there was another story that kind of piggyback on that is they're canceling DC Daily, mm-hmm. their live uh, talk show they do every day on the on the DC Universe yeah. service. So I, I'm just I'm so like baffled by this movie mm-hmm. that 
if you, unless you're going to send it to a competitor such as like a Netflix, such as like a Hulu, and we don't yeah. know. Yeah, as we don't know. We don't know. Like. I don't know. That's just such a bad look out the gate. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look good. You know, it's it's a like we said, it's a big marketing point for the service that I've caught HBO Max ads. They show you the clip, the brief clip of Friends. They show you the brief uh, brief clip of uh, Big Bang Theory. You see a couple of shots of DC films. You know, is that ad going to I'm almost wondering, is that ad still going to be running with those clips in the ad when the films aren't available on the service? You're going to have to retool everything. Yeah. So. Not the best thing out of the gate for HBO Max. I got. No. I got to admit, it's, no, it's it's not had the same thunder as DC or Disney Plus, rather. No, by far. No. Uh, moving over, some in, uh, news to look forward to uh, tomorrow on J- July 11th, or today if you're uh, listening to this on July 11th at 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. That is uh, f- two. Uh, excuse me, uh, two o'clock Mountain time, uh, three o'clock Central time. Uh, four o'clock Eastern time uh, in the, and then uh, other times it follows. Uh, what is this? Uh, five, uh, no, four, yeah, four o'clock Eastern, five o'clock in down in uh, Rio, Brazil. Uh, then over in London, that would be, what is that? Nine o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock in Germany, uh, 11 o'clock in uh, Russia, uh, midnight, Midnight or something crazy over in, in Dubai, one uh, thirty in the morning uh, over in India, uh, four in the morning over in Singapore, four in the morning over in China, uh, five in the morning over in Tokyo. Oh, it's not that bad for them. Uh, six in the morning over in Sydney, and then eight in the morning over in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, there is going to be a live stream from the folks over at PlayStation where they will debut some information and news regarding the PlayStation five. Uh, according, yeah, according to a blog post on their site, uh, it says now that the event is confirmed for June 11th, I want to add that this is a pre-taped program will, that will be broadcast at 1080p and 30 frames per second. Odd that they had to say that. Uh, this eased the show's production process during a time where many, when many of our team and developers are working from home. The games you'll see on Thursday will look even better when you play them on PS5 with a 4K TV, as you'd expect. Uh, it's also best if you watch while wearing headphones, if you can. There's some cool audio in the show, and it might be harder to appreciate if it's pumped through your phone or laptop speakers. So you're gonna get a, they're going to give you a real good look, I would imagine, at the PlayStation 5, some of the, you know... Uh, exclusive games that you're going to see there. So I wouldn't imagine seeing, you know, anything that you'll see on multiple platforms, but stuff that's exclusive to PlayStation. So if there, if another Spider-Man video game is on the works, if there's another God of War coming, I know there's another Horizon Zero Dawn being worked on. So any, you know, new games uh, that will be on PlayStation 5, you're going to find out that and more uh, uh, tomorrow. Again, June 11th, 1 p.m. Pacific time uh, and Google it for times in your area. PS5, uh-huh. it's happening. Yep. How excited are you about this? Uh, you know, I'm very excited. I've heard, a, you know, and this is one of the things I'd like to hear with the live stream. There's been a lot of rumors and there's been a lot of speculation with what the system will entail. Some of them I'm very excited about if it ends up being true. You know, one of the rumors I've heard is that, you know, they've confirmed that about 2,000 plus games of, from PlayStation 4 will be uh, backwards compatible, a.k.a. you can play it on a PS5. Mm-hmm. But there's also been some rumors that you will be able to uh, play PS3, PS2, and PS1 games on there. Mm. You know, so there's and that's all rumors. It's all speculation. Nothing's been confirmed. There's a lot floating about that is really exciting that I just 
I want to find out if it's true. Well, you know, when every time the, there's a new PlayStation, there's a new Xbox, it's it's now to the point that's a major event. Mm-hmm. So any news that we're going to get about this is going to be huge. Yeah. Huge. So, definitely must see. So it's going to be must see. So definitely keep it locked on your social yeah. medias and definitely have that interaction on social media with us about it. Because I know, Pad, you're going to be covering this left and right. Absolutely. The other one I'm going to have to jump in back into and, and delve into is there's a new expansion for Destiny 2 that got revealed uh, the other day. Uh, it is called Destiny 2 Beyond Light uh, expansion. Uh, and the new, and also there was news that anyone who owns a version of Destiny 2 will be able to upgrade to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions for free. So that's a very cool. Uh, they confirmed that the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions will run in 4K and 60 frames per second if you care about that. Uh, and that all expansions owned by players will carry over at no extra charge. So that's nice. That you know you already own the game. We're not going to make you purchase it for another sixty bucks. Here's the game for free. So that's definitely awesome. Uh, it will sur- support intergenerational crossplay within console families. So if you got a buddy who's got a PS4 and doesn't have a PS5 yet, and you got the PS5, don't worry. You'll both be able to play. And the same goes for Xbox. If you got an Xbox One and your buddy's got an Xbox Series X, you'll both still be able to crossplay. Okay. Uh, so that's definitely awesome of them. Uh, there's also they also hope that uh, full crossplay between all consoles will arrive in the next year or so. So that'll be definitely be awesome. Uh, that, but about the expansion, uh, Destiny Two Beyond Light uh, will be released on September 22nd of this year, uh, and it will allow players to venture to Europa, that is one of the moons uh, orbiting Jupiter that is frozen. Uh, Guardians will be able to quote brave the unrelenting glacial frontier infiltrate the Golden Age Braytech facility and uncover the secrets that lie deep under the ancient ice. Mm. Saw the trailer yesterday. It looks wild. It looks awesome, and I can't wait to dig into it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, Destiny, you can't go wrong with. No. And then late-breaking news that got me super excited. Uh, According to Geeks Worldwide, they have an exclusive article saying that there is a new Batman animated film coming. Ooh. And not just any Batman animated film. Coming from the legendary Bruce Tim, of course. Oh, the, sign me up. Uh-huh. The man uh, behind Batman the Animated Series, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, you know, all those great animated, you know, Batman f- films. Uh, definitely excited for this. Looks like it'll be uh, coming out in spring of 2021. Not too much known about casting, although if it's Bruce Tim, probably safe odds to say that Conroy will be doing it just because they got a close uh, relationship. Yeah, you, you gotta definitely have him involved. Yeah, you you, you can't do Bruce Tim movies without Kevin mm-hmm. Conroy. It just it just doesn't work. Yeah, no, and, and not too much known about the plot, so we'll have to wait and see. But if you know anything about DC animated films, they're amazing, and I cannot wait. Oh, definitely super excited about that. Sign me up. So for my one shots, I will quote this article from IGN: The CW announced Monday that they have fired Flash. Cast member Hartley Sawyer over a series of racist and misogynistic tweets he posted in the past. So Ralph Dibney will not be on season seven of The Flash, or at least Hartley Sawyer will not be playing him. Thoughts on this, Pat? Uh, definitely surprising, just because admittedly I've never followed him on social media, and it's never really come across my radar. But anytime you see something like this, it's definitely surprising. Uh, just because the internet is such a vast place and there's a lot of information to comb through, mm-hmm. you know, especially somebody, you know, if you've been on Twitter or Facebook for multiple, multiple years, you know, if you're talking like 10 plus years of content, it's, it's a lot to dig through. So definitely surprised and shocked to say the least. Yeah. Same here. I mean, the, the time frame from the tweets they're saying, uh, according to the IGN article was 2012. Yeah. That we, there was some in there and Sawyer has a posted an apology on his Instagram page, uh, to quote the article again, my words are relevant 
of being meant with an intent of humor were hurtful uh, and ex- unacceptable. I'm ashamed that I was capable of these horrible attempts to get attention at the time. I regret them deeply. So yeah, we're not going to read the tweets online because no, whoa, boy, they're bad. Um, if you really want to, you can go on your own time and read them. Although I will caution you to read them. Uh, it's a wide array of topics that are very not safe for work. And in some instances, not safe for life. Uh, definitely not a good look. Definitely not a good look. The flash made the right decision. Yeah. The team there. Yeah. I mean, you, I under, you know, it was shocking, but I, at the same time, I understood why the CW did what they did, you know, especially for everything they, they're about and everything they promote. Given the content of some of those tweets, they were put in a corner and had no other choice. Right. So that's all we can say about that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to the Team Flash for doing what they, they had to do. It was a tough situation, but yeah. they, they made the right call. Yeah. Other CW news, though, as we from the last episode we recorded, there was a big shakeup at Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruby Rose is out. Yep. No longer be playing Kate Kane. And to replace her, they're going to just... Get rid of the role of Kate Kane completely for now, asterisk. It's going to be interesting to see how they write that. Yes, they're rumored to be establishing a new character taking over the mantle of Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on this, Pad? Not, don't necessarily agree with the decision. I understand why they're doing it, but you didn't exactly write put the, have this in the show that like it was an out, obviously, because you didn't know. It just... I, I understand why they're doing it, but it just doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't that's just like okay you're gonna start the new season season two premiere hey for reasons unknown it almost for reasons unknown kate kane's not here anymore and here's this new character yeah i don't understand this idea i I understand they want to try being really creative about it and Mm -hmm. when when i'm hearing the description of the character yeah i think they're going to be my unofficial odph opinion they're going to be borrowing a lot from the character harper Rowe, aka bluebird from the snyder capullo batman run Mm mm-hmm I, I'm, but I'm really curious because they they have been very adamant to say Kate Kane is not gone from the show, right? So is she going to disappear like Bruce Wayne has on the show? It'll be interesting to see how the ratings go for when the show comes back because I know that was a lot of, uh, you know, Ruby Rose's portrayal of Kate Kane was very well received. A lot of people liked it, mm-hmm. and and I I really feel that was a driving force behind some of the reason it did well. Not just because it's a, a show with bat in the name and yeah. it's DC related. It'll be interesting to see how you know the the ratings go. It's almost like with Walking Dead when they lost uh, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, you know how are the ratings going to go? You know, it's almost the same. I'll be a smaller degree scenario. And especially too, if you're switching up the main character that the comic fan base knows and loves to bring on a brand new character in like the second season in the second season. Now, if this was like season four, season five, okay, I can see that. I, I could see it, but I think they should have just recast the role. Of mm-hmm. in no, my, I do in too. Opinion. I do too. Like I, I just like, I'm, I'm not really on board with this. I mean, I'll give it a watch, but yeah, from what they're making, it sound is a completely different character. And, uh, I, get, I just get the feeling I, I don't want it to happen, but I just get the feeling this is going to backfire on them a little bit. Well, I think so, too, because you're it's you're basically trying to swap out a fan favorite with an unknown. And depending on who they cast for, we don't know anything about casting. We really don't know a lot about the character. Mm-hmm. Um, just some some different uh, places I've read about the character. It, like I said, my early prediction is they're going to be borrowing elements from Harper Row. For that one, mm-hmm. uh, it's not Harper Row though, as as of right now. So I'm gonna say it's before anybody tries to run in with that. I, but I just think it's such a bad idea. Like I think mm-hmm. you should just recasted the role, yeah, and continued business as usual. Like just 
like I said, this is just going to be messy. I yeah, think. No, it, like I said, recast the role, and I know for us watching in real time, it's going to be like, what well, makes sense? And be like, oh, yeah, no, it's because Ruby Rose left. And I get to anybody who goes back and in the future watches it on whatever streaming site it ends up being on, that they're going to be confused, but a quick Google search will tell you, oh, you know, the actress from season one left after the first season and they had to bring in a new actress. Okay. It, it's happened in television before. Yeah. So wait and see about this one. I know when everything was going on C19, that's really thrown a, a curveball at everybody. Yeah. But how this is going to affect this show moving forward, that's a it's a big question mark. So it, really it's big. definitely a, a proverbial pitch they can't miss on. Yeah, so they got to nail it out of the park, or they got to recast Kate Kane during this uh, extent when they have a new Batwoman mm-hmm. and bring her back in and and go from there. I mean, that's oh, what, yeah. that's the only that's what I think they should do and just establish whoever this replacement character is going to be as her sidekick. Yeah. when they decide to recast, I think that that is the smart move to do. Yeah, just my opinion, but we can definitely continue this conversation on social media. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow had their season finale. I won't go too much into spoilers, but uh, I will kind of dabble around with it. Thought it was very lackluster. Yeah, I did too. Very, very lackluster. Uh, they did have a couple cast members leave the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did see their swan song on the show. I mean, it was definitely fun, though. I will say yeah. this. It yeah. was fun um, when they had Cisco come on and, and do yeah. the song song. Yeah. Uh, Didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming. I, I, I got to admit, cracked up laughing hysterically when that happened. Yeah, definitely did. And like I say, just for the season finale, it just... I don't know. Like, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. But it just felt like we're just really trying to wrap things up really quick mm-hmm. without a payoff. Yeah. And that's why I said, I mean, there's elements I really love. Like I said, the Cisco scene is hysterical <laughs> if you got a chance to watch it. But in that place. And, it, and it's not a clip. It's the full song. It's the full song. And it's him singing. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. So you'll have to watch the episode to really get the to capture it. But like I say, where they leave the cliffhanger too. I know they're playing up the humor a lot more on the show, and that's okay. Yeah. But it was almost like too comical. And when they announced like the different ca- characters are leaving, like it just didn't connect. I was like, okay, well, and, and I, like, that's one big problem I've had with the show. Mm-hmm. I felt that they had too many members on the team. Yeah, it is a little congested. Yeah, I was surprised at uh, a few that did stay on the team. I, mm-hmm. I, I thought they. They should do a different shakeup, but yeah. Nevertheless, we'll have to wait and see when they come back and where they're going to go. And the cliffhanger is a really odd one. Yeah, to me, it didn't even feel like a cliffhanger to me. Yeah, I was like, okay. Well. It kind of felt like a quasi happy ending with a oh, yeah, the story's going to continue. Yeah. So, like I say, it was a good episode. It was fun, and like I said, the Cisco scene is hysterical. So if you get a chance to watch it, watch it, and we'll have to wait and see when they come back in the fall. Mm. And last but certainly not least, Comic Con news. Yeah. San Diego Comic-Con is going to be doing a digital con from what we're reading about. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, running online from July 22nd to the 26th. So it's going to be the same day that the convention was being held. But without all the headache and nonsense of trying to get into Hall H. Which is absolutely wild. Yeah. To do. But, I mean, this is the day and age with everything. Like I said, they're they're being smart about it, so I'm not... It's a, it's a cool idea, but I just get the feeling that it's going to be... Don't go into it expecting it to be the usual San Diego Comic-Con with trailers and announcements and casting news. Yeah, there will be some of that, but I just feel like, you know, lower your expectations a little bit. You know, just just the feeling I get. Yeah, you're, you're definitely going to have to. I mean, that's just... It's the one thing about it that 
with this announcement, they're making the best of a bad situation. Yeah. And you and you have to fully embrace it. You you cannot sit there and be mad about it. And like I say, if if they're going to be doing this, they're, at least they're offering content to everybody at home. Yeah. And they're still going to be running with panels and and everything that makes San Diego what it is. It's going to be free to watch. That's the one thing from the tweet that we have retweeted. Um, so as far as that goes, I mean, how can you be mad about that? Mm, no, you, you really can't. I mean, like I said, I, I'm sure they're going to do the best they can with the situation and you know, expect a lot of interesting panels that you might not be able to normally do. You know, like I know Josh Gad uh, over not the last weekend, but I want to say it was the weekend before, got the entire Lord of the Rings cast together, back together for his YouTube channel. Mm. Maybe do something like that with, like, say, the you know, you got Matrix 4 coming out, what, next year, two years from now, something like that. Get the cast to the original Matrix movie back together. Have them do a quote-unquote Zoom panel. You know, where it's them reminiscing and telling stories about filming that first movie. You know, something like that would be really cool, and I think a lot of people would tune into. And heck, I know it probably won't happen, but have Marvel or, or uh, DC do their Hall H style panel and put the trailers out there. You don't have to worry about bootleg copies of the trailers getting out on the internet. The one thing that I'm going to be very intrigued with is depending on where we are in the world at that time. Mm hmm. And what I mean by this is, depending on what state you're in, there's the different phases going on right now in the U.S. Yep. Hypothetically saying, if everything is lifted or at phase four in certain areas, would they be running panels like at, at different locations, maybe not with a crowd, but but having them almost like live streamed mm -hmm. and do something like that? Like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking maybe we'll see something like that because I, I would fully bank – if I have to make an unofficial prediction here, Marvel is going to come out with a lot. Mm -hmm. They are going to really want to establish that they are going to be coming in with the next wave of projects in a hurry. Well, and we know they've got stuff done. I know uh, WandaVision, if it's not done, it's near done. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to imagine there's probably a decent amount done on the What If series. You know, they, you know they've gotten a pretty decent length into the Falcon Winter Soldier. Why not show five minutes from a random episode of each of the series? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I wouldn't doubt that they do something like that, or they're going to make it just a bunch of different things to really entice fans about maybe picking up Disney Plus if they signed off on it. Do a little more hype for Black Widow, which is still scheduled to come out in November. Because mm -hmm. right around this point, I believe that theaters are going to start opening up in yeah. July. That I know the big movie premiere that they're expecting is going to be uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Tenet, yeah. That uh, according to I want to say it was uh, earnings call or something call with AMC the other day. Who that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Ooh. You ever got if you if listeners at home ever got free time, look up that whole mess online. We're yeah. not getting into it because yeah. it take we take too long. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Um, the court, but there was an earnings call or something call with AMC theaters the other day, and it sounds like both Mulan for Disney and then Tenant for Christopher Nolan are still on track to hit their release dates. And I know Tenant is July. Yeah, Tenant is July. Yeah. So that's going to be the first one to really kind of establish where we are in the world at that point. We're saying if you want to give the movie theater industry a swift kick in the pants to get it going again, uh, Christopher Nolan's a good way to do it. Yeah, so they're going to be coming back strong at the movies once they're open. But like I say, for where this is going to be held at the time for San Diego, I don't know if where restrictions are going to be, if they're going to try getting celebrities together for panels, or um, is it going to be all Zooms? Yeah. Like, I think it's going to be Zooms, just to be on the safe side. It'll probably be Zooms, but we don't know at that point. So that's that's why I said. So San Diego is going to be setting the trend for possibly the rest of the year mm -hmm. of how to do this. We still yeah. we still have not heard anything concerning New York Comic Con. I yeah. think you get asked that a lot. 
Yeah, we haven't heard anything. Although, it, you know, the longer it goes on, the more concerning it is to me. Just because I, you know, I check my Facebook memories every day, just because it's fun to look in the past. Mm-hmm. And there have been recent dates where, you know, public tickets went on sale, and I think the one that just hit the other it was either today or yesterday, I forget, where fan verification got reopened either last year or the year before, something like that. So, like, we're passing dates that like tickets went on sale, we bought tickets, and yeah. we, we got our stuff out. Just. They haven't said anything. We don't know. We, we're not insiders. We don't have people on the inside giving us information. No. Just the concerning thing is the longer it goes on, you know, the, the more grim the outlook is. Yeah. So we just kind of have to be wait and see and be patient and, mm-hmm. and fingers crossed it is going to run. Um, like I say, this could be definitely one that we're doing virtually as well. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that we'll be running the Twitch stream during San Diego at least. Oh, yeah. I can fully imagine we'll probably be doing some joint coverage with our friends over at 3FN and maybe do some live reporting as well. So definitely stay tuned for that. We'll have to kind of deep dive into that when we get closer in July. But for San Diego to still run and give us something, I'm super, super excited about. Mm-hmm. So to close out, too, I want to give a quick shout-out to Cheers to Comics. I'm going to say with everything going on with DC, breaking away from Diamond Distribution, Head over and check out Brian's episode covering it. He does a, a great job breaking it down. So I don't even want to try like breaking down that whole mess right now. But, mm-hmm. I, but Brian did an exceptional job. So head on over to Cheers to Comics and check that out. So all that being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is out of Shout at the Robots. They're a great band here locally in the 607. How do you find out about more of what they're up to? Well, simple. Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Check out the music section. You can find out all about them, Floodlands, Fair City Fire, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, and all the great bands that have come through the ODPH. Also on the ODPH website, you can check out the ODPH directory, which has friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, you have Excite Wrestling, all the great pod groups that we are in, and the Podchaser list, so you can follow, subscribe, rate, review all of the amazing people we hang out with on the podcasting community. So shout-out to Pod Nation, shout-out to the Independent Podcast, or rather, should I say the Legion of Independent Podcasts. I always mess that one up for some reason. It's just a long name. Shout-out to Alternate Reality Radio, shout-out to the Apocalypse Community, and shout-out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. And always shout-out to 8122 Productions, shout-out to Rich Ron and Hashtag Big Night Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. Still on Twitter, still kicking all types of content that you need to check out. That he does say, not behind a paywall, but if you want to get behind a paywall and really hear some diesel takes, head on over to patreon.com slash 8122 Productions, and they will have that all for you. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And also on the ODPH directory, we have links for voter registration and organization links to support the Black Lives Matter movement and follow up to last week's hashtag podcast blackout episode. So definitely head on over to OchoDoroParleyHour.com and check it out because that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only, Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 